0: Hey AJ, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Um, so, uh, for for those that uh, that don't know, tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and where you're uh, where you're coming from, and your background. And yeah, then I'm uh, I'm excited to to dive in.
1: Yeah, no, thanks again for having me. Um, I'm AJ Sabrowski. I'm a physical therapist in Bozeman, Montana. I work at Excel Physical Therapy i i'm i'm
0: fired up to talk because uh we of all the great people that uh that we've that i've had a chance to chat with through this podcast i haven't um we haven't we haven't uh i haven't spoken with a physical therapist and it seems oh. si- silly because i think it's what you do and and, and specifically you, you and where you're coming from as an athlete and your experiences and then applying that to the to the kind of you know, self-care and physical therapy side of things, I think it's, I see it as just a a critical part of the the kind of athlete team dynamic, right? I mean, you have as critical as, you know, good training or coach or the support of your family. I mean, I think, you know, someone like yourself is, I just include that in what it takes to be successful and what it takes to be, um, to have longevity and whatever discipline you're focused on and, you know, to be efficient and uh, pain-free and and all these things. So, um, I'm excited because I, I so strongly believe in, uh, in what you're doing and, and the role that, that you play and, and, you know, the people that I work with, their success, I I can't do my thing without folks like you. Uh, so I'm excited to, uh, to chat and I want to dive in. Um, Maybe when we'll just see where it goes. But I, I love you and I talked uh offline, traded some emails before we started recording. One of the things you mentioned was um this idea of load management and that, you know, stress is stress, no matter where it comes from. Um and just out of the gate of all the things that we we chatted about, that really resonated because I think for a variety of reasons. One, it's it's kind of a soapbox of mine. I, I'm such a believer in my approach as a coach and is, you know, looking at athleticism holistically and, and through the lens of how it adds value to the rest of your life. And, you know, so we don't want our pursuit of athleticism to, to detract from the experiences we have in other areas of our lives. And so I think so often, you know, as athletes, we compartmentalize stress, right? Well, oh, that... I'm stressed at work or I'm stressed at home, but that, that can't be having an impact on my training, you know, productivity, my recovery with training. So yeah, like what's that, what's that look and feel like from your perspective and your, your take on that, that kind of whole, you know, I guess dichotomy
1: or, yeah. or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, lots of good stuff you brought up there, the team aspect of it, the load management aspect of it. There's a lot of good things you mentioned on, um, but yeah for me load is is stress and stress can be physical emotional mental you know there's a gamut of it and i think it's hard for athletes until they really experience they either emotional and uh or contextual other contextual stressors to implicate some kind of effect on their training or performance to really grasp how it, how it affects it so i think you know, in my eyes, when I'm working with athletes, either that you know, like I'm coaching or working with and performing, and/or athletes that are rehabbing, it's fundamental for me to get them to understand that if again, running for an example, that you know, a mile's a mile down the road, but you know, your sleep that night before, your diet that day, maybe a stressful email slash you know, argument with a family member, that will affect how that physical stress is tolerated and how your body responds to it and how your body adapts to it. So, you know, again, and for me sometimes it's getting a post-operative patient to understand that their body's under a lot of stress, even though they're not doing a whole lot of physical activity and that's, they need a specific amount of recovery for that. Or it might be getting somebody to understand that, Hey, like what you've done the last three weeks in building up this, this cumulative stress might now finally see that through in this coming week. Or, hey, we need to respond to that stress and let your body adapt to that stress. Or we're going to slowly build this stress and or load up so that we can have some specific effect from it. And, and And so I think a lot of the time during the day, I'm trying to conceptualize that thought process of, like, if we can slowly stimulate and stress or load something, we can usually distinguish or, or create some kind of adaptive change. And I think for any, anybody, um, who's injured, we need to stress to some degree. So we create the adaptive capacity to overcome that injury and tolerate whatever happened to induce it. And then for longevity of athletes, I think it's key to always trying to be, you know, build a, build a more, build a stronger athlete. And, and that involves a lot of variety of stress, you know, different, uh, avenues of of getting that load and also making sure that over the long term we're slowly trying to make sure they can tolerate more and more load or at least tolerate different kinds of load as you know their sport their season their activities change so yeah it's a a, the more I learn the harder it is to really (laughs) I start it's hard to like really grasp it all right like well how do we measure this or how do we monitor that or how do we make sure we're not and I think the right amounts of stress and load, um, albeit the research and evidence coming with it, we, everybody's a little different, you know? And it, I think a lot of it is, you know, set up from when we were kids or this long history of loading or lack of history of loading. And, you know, it's, it was funny. When, when I was working in Flagstaff, uh, you get a lot of people that come there to run and you get a lot of people that want to go run in the Grand Canyon. And, you know, the, 28 year old who's out of college who was a college basketball player that picked up running now wants to go rim to rim to rim, but they've never run more than a three or four month training cycle. And for that kind of, and then they see somebody like, you know, the Jim Walmsley's or the Hoka team out there and they're like, they're doing it every other weekend. They're like, I can do that. And you're like, you, those people have been developing that chronicity of stress and that foundation of stress and loading for years. And that's why they can do that over and over and over again, but getting to somebody to really develop some consistent strategic loading program is usually really difficult. And usually it's slower and not as fun as they want it to be to do it in the most ideal or correct way. So as a coach like yourself, I'm sure you, you see that all the time. You're like, man, that wasn't hard like that. Or, you know, like, why am I not doing twice as many miles or this and that? And that that's a it's it's hard for to get people, patients, and athletes to understand that, but um, it's pretty critical in order for our success yeah. as coaches and therapists, and their success as athletes.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, it, all of us have been there. I think at some you know at some point in our athletic careers or endeavors, this you want to you want to achieve this thing faster um, or feel capable. Uh, more quickly and and to your point i mean so so often the answer is just time right like you just have to you can only build so fast you know and and i yeah i yeah I, i i tell athletes this all the time or i have this i've you know had this conversation so it's like even if you had you know let's say you went part-time at your job and all of a sudden you have 25 hours a week to train. We couldn't do anything with that extra time. Like you can only move as fast the, the limiter is not your, your motivation to do more. It's that we can, we have to build capacity over time. Um, mm-hmm. what's, what's, I mean, I, I want to lean into that because I think that capacity piece and, and I think we talked about this in some of our email exchanges as well, but like, what's your, what's your kind of tools and guidelines for helping athletes understand that timeline and, and, and conceptualizing that, you know, I guess to use like a, you know, definitive term, like building capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. because I, that doesn't, you know, we just talk about training plans or at, you know, so often we Mm -hmm. come at it, we just arrive at the prescriptive piece and athletes I think are, are led astray so often that that, you know, any 12 week buildup will do or any six, you know, whatever the thing is you're using. Um, but it has to be individualized, right. Which I think is what you're getting at is we have to look at where you're mm-hmm. at and then we can only progress to whatever load and, you know, that you're able to, I don't know. So yeah, what's, what's that look like for you? Yeah. Cause you, you, you got a lot more of the you're seeing it from lots of different angles. Whereas I, you know, mm-hmm. I see it from, The prescriptive piece, but you're coming at it from a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah, I think, great question. And I think every time I'm about to have this discussion with somebody, I kind of pause and let the cog spin in my head for a second because there's so many factors and variables in play to understand where somebody's capacity currently is at and what their ability to change is. And also what their goals are. I mean, and all three of those things are going to have to kind of mesh and mold and fall in some place to, to be successful. So I think um, I think an easy, an easy example for us would let's just think of somebody training for a running race because um, I'm sure you and I both deal with those types of people in, in that situation. So um, it might be for me um, seeing a patient who comes in with knee pain. They've been ramping up their mileage and or vert because uh, it's a trail race. Um, and so usually when I'm thinking about capacity and like how to help that person understand where they're at and then how to develop some kind of plan to mitigate further complaints, but also help them tolerate those stress and that load from running for up, down, and whatever other extraneous training they're doing. Uh, I think I first try to figure out what is the last year for sure, if not two to three years of training look like or what is this like what's your chronic loading history like um I, I might get lucky and it might be somebody that's like you know i've been every summer or you know throughout the winter i do a lot of ski touring so i get a good amount of vert in there um and i run four to five days a week i you know i ramp up my mileage back it off a little bit here and there through the summer and then the fall i run some races and that's you know and every once in a while they have some knee pain achilles pain ankle pain back pain but it kind of comes in ebbs and flows and never really keeps them from training so as long as they've got that was what I would call a very consistent kind of chronic loading. They've got a solid foundation and we'd probably dive into a little bit more detail. Like where are we at average wise mileage? Where are we at with, you know, typical vert kind of change, just those kind of stressors on the limbs. Um, And when talking to somebody like that, I kind of want to see now is like, all right, when this one thing started to creep up, so the knee pain, what was changing in the training plan or changing in the loading plan? Did we start to ramp up the vertical change quick? Were we tossing in some intervals? Did we ramp the just pure volume up? And I want to see kind of how that acute loading or stressors um, is different and how the relationship to it with with their chronic loading. Once we kind of understand where that, you know, teeter-totter or balancing act is kind of at or maybe why we might be distinguishing it, um then we can kind of talk about like well where are we at currently with your capacity and your load limiters per se? Like what are where can what can you do and how much of it can you do and how do we start to stimulate some change to tolerate whatever we need to tolerate in the training program? If I'm seeing somebody in clinic, like say somebody training for like a running race, I want to know what their chronic stress or loading history is like. So what are we Starting to add changes, aka training stimulus, onto. And somebody who's been running, you know, regularly or consistently for many years is going to have a little bit higher foundation to have some of those higher level stresses on initially. Whereas somebody that might be like, you know, I haven't run for three, four, five years, I want to do this, they ultimately don't have that foundation to have such great you know amount of either vert speed those kind of things are going to need to be a little bit more of a delicate balance um so definitely figuring out kind of what their chronic loading history is like and then really trying to figure out what has changed in the recent time what's stimulating potentially one of these kind of reactive responses in xyz joint and then based on that I want to figure out what can they tolerate right now okay what can you tolerate right now what are your goals Aka race and or maybe they just want to run three to four days a week, or again some people have the you know I'm I'm shooting for as much vertical change as I then I need to figure out is like all right well with what are your physical limiters and or things that you're dealing with now do we need to work on so that you can and slowly adapt so that they can adapt with those stress stressors so how do I help you know mitigate some of these load load mitig- or these things to modify some of the load that you're having struggle, shru- struggles struggles um tolerating
0: yeah so you know what do we do because i i'm sure you you know i think we all see it as as coaches and and people that are in the business of helping athletes pursue their goals or their full potential um what are your how do you help guide an athlete or what's your advice when someone who, say, doesn't have that capacity, because typically, this is a broad stroke, but typically that's not the case, right? Typically you don't have um, uh, a runner or, you know, uh, an endurance athlete who has has built that capacity up sustainably, right? Uh, Athlete fraught with injuries typically, right? Everybody's coming from a place that their goals uh, might be a little – um, offset from their ability level at that current time. So how do you help take an athlete, you know, from, from that place in their current capacity and then build responsibly towards, you know, what might be an ambitious goal or maybe is an ambitious goal. Cause a lot of that's, you know, that now we're getting into motivations, right? We're getting into Mm -hmm. the expectation setting, we're getting into process goals. And so there's a lot, there's an emotional investment, there's a physical investment, we don't want to crush their spirit, right? We say you got a new runner and they say, Hey, I'm right. gonna do uh you know, uh Big Mountain 50K, right? Something like the Rut in Big Sky, Montana. Um, but you know, and they're not quite there yet. So yeah, I don't know, like how did, cause I I feel like that's where I'm all you know, yeah, so much of it's managing expectations and and looking for longevity in relation to near term kind of process and performance goals and so, yeah, like how how do we get there? How do we keep them happy and yeah, safe? Yeah. That's a,
1: that's a tough discussion to have with a client and or patient. I think the more and again, for me in the PT world too, I find that the more on this if the more upfront we are about realistic goals for a patient, like a patient might come in with And again, I'm going to go with the PT world with this, like pain that's been going on for a long, long, long time. Okay. And they might want to be pain free. And I might in that initial visit be thinking, I don't know if this is going to be a pain free thing in the short term, medium, like length term, or even long term. And so if I let that patient go under the assumption that I can make them pain free, then the patient's not going to be successful because they're going to think they're going to be free nor will the IB perceive this as successful if they, they, he and I don't or she and I don't fall on the same page. So I think, like you said, it's, it's trying to help that person understand what their, what a reasonable goal definitely is. And that's a, it's hard to figure out how to come to that side of that discussion with, a, with an athlete, whereas it might be like, hey, I want to run a, a Boston Marathon qualifier. All right, well, how many marathons have you done? None it's like, Oh, okay. That's, that's, that's tricky. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think like you said, you don't want to crush their spirits. You don't want to, you know, kind of bring them down. And the, I think like you mentioned the long, like getting them to understand that this is a process and the longevity of this whole thing is probably going to be more important for both them successfully in within the sport and also mentally. Cause it, it, I think we have, you know some of the, We kind of lay out that pros, cons situation. It's like, hey, we can do this slowly. The rut's not going anywhere, right, probably. We're going to have some years to do this. It's hard to know how well we're going to do and tolerate until we kind of slowly build you up. But what I do know is that if we slowly build you up and we don't go for the gold medal the first time, we've got a really good chance of getting you there safely and and, and healthy. Meaning you're not going to hope we're going to hopefully mitigate any potential of you having to avoid not doing it at all, having injuries, things that affect you know the other things in your life that you want to participate in. And if we can do that safely and lay that foundation, then there's definitely a chance we get there and you perform really well. It, the best way for us to do that, though, is you know with this get a very graded, slow, strategic approach. Albeit, it might not seem like. The highest level of training. That's okay, because as you know, we enter this, um, you know, this relationship, this coaching, this building thing. There is going to be have to be some give take, and I guess as for me, for me as a coach and as a PT, I'd much rather be upfront with the patient about that and or client and say, hey, like, I think we can get you there and doing the rut and or X, you know, race. And I think you can perform very well. My goal is to get you there really, really healthy and in the best shape, your best version of yourself for that point in time. And that's going to evolve, and we can modify training as we go. But we have to understand that in this shorter period of time and getting somebody to realize that like a four- to six-month training block is a relatively short training block. There's a reason that Olympic athletes train four straight years to develop to, – to help save – one second or two minutes, right? That there's going to be some changes that can be had, but maybe the goal is let's get one rut underneath our belts. Let's see how it responds. See how it feels. See how you, you know, respond to some training stimulus. And then when we kind of know how you're doing and how you're feeling, maybe the next summer we've got a really good shot at like pushing that number, but it's hard to, you know, get somebody to understand that, that context. And I think everybody again is, is very, different, very unique. And I I personally think just being really upfront about realistic goals is the key to success for both that person and a PT slash coach. Because then if you're on two opposite ends of the spectrum, then nobody's going to be happy. Nobody's going to respond well. It's just not going to be seeing eye to eye for sure. And yeah, what have you, I'm going to kind of toss that back on you. How have you handled that because i'm sure you know how have you handled that situation with your clients
0: yeah no i appreciate you kicking it back cuz i it, it is i think it's worth expanding on in any you know i i for me it it it's a few things um and you mentioned one which is probably the most important or or is the most important which is communication um you know i think so often um an athlete and their team so that's coach pt uh dietitian family who you know uh, they're not on the same page right an athlete has secret uh or or expectations and goals that they kind of hold uh you know close to their chest and they don't they don't let everybody else in on those goals and that creates a discrepancy um because it's going to impact you know, how they are able to effectively compartmentalize their life and where they make time and, you know, how they sacrifice for, for the execution of, of this goal. And then the other big thing for me, um, and it is to, I like to make the distinction between goals and expectations. And I think I, I'm, I'm big on, on language and as athletes, we have, We've always used goals, right? That's been like where everybody we're we're very comfortable talking about goals. We we talk about them with races. We talk about them with levels of fitness and, and mastery that we want to yeah. to accomplish. And these are all you know. We say go, 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 right? We write them, write them down. What we don't spend as much time or maybe any time uh, talking about is our expectations in in context with those goals. And I, that to me is where success or failure is found is it's not whether or not you are able to execute on that goal or you, you win a race or meet, beat a time. It's the expectations surrounding the process that builds you up to that point. And then your expectations around that particular goal. And a goal so often is, is, a it's a blip, right? It's a day, it's a, it's an event, it's a outcome, it's a, you know, and however you want yeah. to talk about that, the expectation is that's every day that's the whole right you You can succeed or fail in relation to your expectations at any given time once you've defined them and so i I like to talk to athletes we'll arrive at goals, and they're important to have. I mean certainly we should all you know ha- have appropriate goals, and we should talk about what that looks like near term and long term, but yeah for me, like using the right language and specifically using expectations before we in defining them and then to and then further down, kind of you know if we talk about the process of that, then we define what success and failure looks like in relation to those expectations, so an expectation right very, very small for me, like do we expect that you can consistently execute? Uh, A training plan that peaks at 12 hours a week, right? For whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes or no. Now let's talk about what it looks like if we succeed in that goal. And let's talk about the consequences of failure. We'll get it all out there. And then we know, right? And then we move along. And it's nutrition. It's sleep. It's recovery. It's working with people like you. Like, how's your body mechanics, right? Is the expectation that you can move comfortably as we increase our training load and the stress on your body? Or... Is that not an appropriate expectation? Do we need to rein it in? Right? Is it not? Mm -hmm. You know, and so that helps too. I think when we start to talk about those things, it also helps to establish almost kind of by way of a natural part of the conversation, it establishes a timeline, right? Because if you start to see a trend, you're like, oh, if my expectations are appropriate, I realize that this is not the best year to try to put in a high volume training block because my stress and work is really high or my, I just had a new baby or I, you know, my wife just got, you know, her partner just got promoted or whatever. And you start to see like, Oh, that's now I'm on a three-year plan. If I really think about what's realistic and how I define success and failure, now it's not my 50 mile trail run this season. It's my 50 mile trail run two, three years from now. And I'm going to, I'm going to get really competent at the 50 K mark.
1: And that, you know, so you're going to build into that. So, yeah, I, I, it's a really, uh, that's a really good way to look at that. I I mean, when you, when you when you're saying that it made a lot of sense, but I, I don't know if I've ever like structured or thought about it like that. I'm going to definitely steal that the expectations versus goals. And yeah. like you said, the expectations kind of help basically, you know, stepwise you to figure out where your, is your goal appropriately placed and or like if you're you can also say then like well if we can expect we can develop these expectations at such levels based on you know life stress work got eat, all the things then your goal might be here but or maybe we, it's more appropriately here you know and i think as you like you said you layer out some of those expectations and figure out that it really helps it will really help kind of guide, guide you through that process. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, And I think a lot of us do that, but I never thought of it like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of just by way of, and that's what I found like in my, you know, kind of coaching as I've just developed as a, you know, human and a coach and an athlete and everything else. And, you know, I, I'm more and more, if you use the right language at the right time, you start to uncover some of these, like the questions almost answer themselves if you're critical about how you position these questions at the right time, you know, with an athlete. And, um, it, it well, and so, you know, in the same vein or, or, or exactly related to expectations, I I'm curious, I mean, cause this feels like this feels like a zone that you in the PT world would be very well versed in is this idea that like, I have knee pain was it going to take like three sessions, right? Like there's this expectation that, <laughs> that you're going to, yeah. it's going to like, okay, I'm going to get in, I'm going to see AJ and then I'm out and I'm back to high volume training cycle, right. Or, or riding or, you know, rock climb, whatever you're doing. So how do you, you know, I, and I see that with athletes. I mean, it's as much as like, I, I want to know, <laughs> uh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to steal this from you, uh, it, it, whatever your qu- answer is. Cause, Athletes are like, okay, great, I'll go see a PT. So then like, what, two weeks? And then we can get them like, no, it's probably like now we, we've we just added a team member, right? We're not, I don't see it as yeah. in and out. I see it as that now we got another person in the fold that's managing and helping to balance. And so like, what's that expectation setting conversation look like for you on the, maybe I'd say specifically on the injury side, because that feels like such a moment that's fraught with all these emotions as an athlete, right? Everyone, it sucks. I mean, you don't want to not be able yeah. to do the thing that you wanted to do because you're hurt. So, yeah, what's that? What's that look and feel like on your end?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question, and the it depends is obviously the answer I want to give you because it, it does depend. Again, context of the athlete, how severe is the injury? How what's the time frame on where they need to get? What's the training look like? So, I mean, there's a lot of factors in place, but I don't want to just cop out and be like, well, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, So yeah, I ultimately the goal is to keep the athlete as active in the training plan and pursuing their objective um, as much as possible. A lot of times we can keep athletes training with slight modifications if we can if this severity and the irritability of whatever they're coming in is isn't that high if we let think if somebody has had something going on for a long time and it's relatively irritable like they have knee pain and it they only do a run with a little bit of hills in it and it really flares them up and they're training for a trail race with 10,000 feet of vert that's in a month that's a, that's a tricky one, you know? And then it becomes like, okay, are we, is the expectation that we're going to be pain free or we're going to be in really, really good shape for the Hills kind of thing. And, and I think that's a discussion we, again, with the athlete and the coach, it depends a lot of the time. Um, yeah, that's a hard one, man. I, I guess for me, again, there's, it's the time frame. it's, what do we expect? What's the goal of the race? And a lot of people are like, you know, I just want to finish the rut, or I just want to finish the race. It's like, all right, I, if that's the if that's where our expectation is, and that's going di- to distinguish a successful, you know, outcome of that. A lot of the times, we can get that done. But what I will tell them that is, like, you might not be pain free. We might need a little bit of an extended period of recovery after this. There's probably going to be some. Time commitment taken away from training, dedicated to doing some of the auxiliary things, like making sure we get really good sleep. We're going to do X, Y, Z mobility drills and A, B, C strength drills because those are going to help support us getting to that piece of that. Um, I think there's only been a few times where I've really been, you know, I don't trying to find that eye to eye level with the patient when they come in with an injury that, but they have a goal something. Coming up where it's like, we need we need to change that. We need to change what your idea of success is. And it's kind of asking the right questions, finding that balance, and getting them to understand within the context of the situation, injury thing they're coming into, what a realistic you know, expectation is at within the time frame time window they have. And that is Again, that's I. It's, there's no one right one way to do it because it's going to really depend on the person, the demands, what they're dealing with. Um, yeah, and a lot. Of, again, I think the biggest part is dealing with it. Not so much physically, as it does then become a psychological, emotional, mindset, you know, persona kind of thing. Is like that is who they are as a person in this training realm. And as soon as we start to mitigate or take away things that they're participating in. Then they can't associate or be that role, and then they—that's where it gets more difficult. And a lot of the times, it's not treating my person's knee, the person's calf, the person's hip. It's treating between the ears, and uh, that's the hardest intervention and hardest place to to get to get work done. Really, (laughs) I know that from a personal standpoint, and as well as a clinical standpoint. So, yeah, I can. I don't know if I gave you a great answer.
0: Yeah, no, it's Um, great. And I love.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I think. uh, Yeah, no. I like you said. I, for me, and I, I ask a lot of questions, and a lot of it is trying to help that patient bring themselves to the realization of where they're at, and then understanding where, and then I can kind of help them with, you know based on who they are, where they've been, where their status is like this might be based on what I know. And a lot of times I preface things that you might wake up tomorrow and be a hundred percent better. Weirder things have probably happened and you might show up at the race and not feel a bit of pain and have your best performance. But there may, we may need to adjust, you know, where, what our I, what our vision is for said, said race. You know, if your goal was to do four hours in the rut, okay. That was prior to, this thing popping up. I still think you can pur- do the rut. It might not feel the greatest. We might not be as in shape as possible, but you can go be with your friends, do the rut, maybe have a little bit of, you know, we might still be dealing with something, but probably without any huge setbacks down the road. And you're just, it need, now we need to shift it to five hours and you're going to really enjoy that day. And now when we start to do these things, if you have other plans down the road, we know we need to address these things so that you're more resilient as we ramp up for these type of activities, hopefully. So yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I, again, it's so much yeah. of a, of there's too many cont- There's too many factors in play to just say definitively, this is how you approach a, a person with emotions and, and physiologically adapting and physically adapting and other stressors that are unable to measure. So it's, there's a lot at, at yeah. play. And it, it almost always evolves beyond even that initial situation.
0: Right. Well, I think you, I mean, that, I think that's an important point to, to make. And it really, honestly, I, it, you know, by way of just you laying it out kind of answers the, how we got on this topic to, to begin with, which is, you know, it's, there's so much involved that it, the, the expectation can't be that it's a straight line, right? Like I, because I, what I, what I picked up on that, you know, you were in in your explanation of that was, and then I, it stood out to me was, you know, athletes, they see, you know, okay, I'm hurt. We're going to go see uh, a professional who's going to address this injury and that's going to solve it. And we're going to be down the road. And it, and it's so nuanced, right. And, and, and more, more dramatically or more um, there's more weight for sure. And I couldn't agree more that it's between the ears. I mean, that's why this podcast exists. Like it it can't be just, it's not just, you're going to, you know, needle and you're going to work on strength and you're going to move. And that's going to fix it It, it, because it disrupts your entire Mm. identity in terms of how you view yourself as an athlete. And that is, massively disruptive. Um I've talked about athletic identity a lot on this podcast cuz I, yeah. I think it's super important and it doesn't we don't give it the weight that it deserves. We don't, you know, we assume that we're rock solid from an identity perspective as athletes, but we really only ever assume that when we're in a place of of, you know, pe- you know, feeling good, you know, peaking for, you know, mm-hmm. when when it starts to decline we realize how fragile that can be because we don't talk, we don't talk about it. We don't address it. We don't, it's oftentimes not nuanced, right. As, as athletes specifically as like more in the ultra space, because it just takes up a lot of your time. You, you're like, that's something, that's my thing, right. I'm an ultra runner. I'm an ultra cyclist. I'm, and if that
1: goes away, you're like, I don't, I don't know who I am now. Yeah. You're not Um, with your friends. You're not, you know, you're not even – it's like it. that's – and I, honestly, a lot of times with people who I'm dealing with some kind of injury where we have to modify their activity participation to the level they don't want to, which is a lot of the time, not that they can't be performing that activity, but at a lower level, um, it's getting them to continue that role association or that identity because like you said, when we start to take that away, there's a whole waterfall of effects that ultimately – even further drop their physical envelope of function just because they're not, you know, they're not walking to the crag. They're not uh, out for three hours on the bike there. It's, it's huge. And, and I really am a huge proponent of like, yeah, you can't go get on your project, right? Cause we got a little finger tweak or something, in the elbow, but that doesn't mean that you can't go out there that whole time with your friends, be a great Blair, be a great friend, partner, you know, help other people out, be in the context of that situation. And that also doesn't mean that just because you're not, um, I'm going to switch to climbing, you're not climbing your hardest grades right now. That doesn't mean that we can't work on other things, whether it's skills, mobility deficits, isolated strength, things that aren't aggravating that, that aren't ultimately going to make you a better rock climber when you step back on the wall. And I think the same thing for runners too. It's like, Hey, I've done this and I've seen people do this. We can make you a better runner modifying your training program right now so that when we are ready to cycle back up into that high level performance or that high level of training you've got x mobility x strength x control x you know between the ears mental fortitude that is going to help you be a better runner when you're ready to peak and, and perform at those levels so it's i really try to help them understand that hey we're going to have to modify some of what you're doing, but that doesn't mean we can't make you a better cyclist, climber, runner while we're doing that. You're just not going to have the aerobic capacity, the power, and you know whatever little thing we're going to have to modify because of that. And I think if we can sell them and get them to buy into that, that helps them continue on in the process and not get so hung up on crap, I'm hurt and I'm just, I'm losing time. I'm losing fitness. I'm taking steps back what other people are gaining and, uh, dialing in those little things and, and, and going through that with somebody and and showing them that this is how we can still make you a better athlete person, you know, partner along the way without truly performing or following the training program to the T is, is powerful. And I, and I think when people experience that whole process and go through it, like, you and I have both been through injuries and been like, we're never coming back to that same level. Like we're done. You know, like I better a runner's thinking I better buy a bike. A cyclist is thinking like, I don't know, maybe I'll pick up a new hobby. Right. Kind of thing. And when people take those times away from training and deal with these injuries and then, you know, two months, two years down the road, they set a PR they're like, man, like I was at rock bottom and never thought I was going to get to that point. But I've experienced that process. And I think, going through that process is not fun, but it's a very valuable process for athletes to to to, ha- to have because it really will help them down the road, understand what they're dealing with and how to manage it and how to make the best of those difficult situations when they arise.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I completely agree. And you know, you, you kind of have to, like you said, you know, you've, gone through injury i've been through it more times than i care to mention and um and you yeah you know you can come come back stronger and and you come back mentally stronger i mean you know that i think there's a resiliency piece there um that's super that's critical for longevity you know you you have to you you have to be able to ride like weather the storm, you know, because when you're pushing your body, when you expect, when the expectation around these big goals is high, you're, you know, you're flirting with disaster. It's kind of, you know, it's not if, but when, um, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to back up a little cause I don't want to lose, uh, this thought and I want to get your input. Um, yeah, yeah. when, so, we, you know, you, we, you talked about the, and I, I love this, idea, like you're shifting your energy and compartmentalizing your athletic identity while it might not be in the same kind of form and shape that it was in terms of, you know, you might not be doing as much running or cycling or whatever. We're doing these other things that are going to still yield results. And I've had this conversation a lot with injured athletes or or uh or athletes with like mobility deficiency like you know run form like we can't get volume high because you know hip glute activation posterior chain stuff back you know all the stuff specifically the runners and you know poor athletes that have poor mobility on the bike as well but um but that's a hard That's a, that's – that's been for me a very challenging conversation to have. It's like, hey, I know this thing isn't as sexy as as the other stuff we were doing, but I need you to try to treat it with the same exuberance. I need you to be as excited to get up in the morning and do your mobility work. Um, not like I need it, but like for the sake of their – athletic identity and their longevity and their engagement in the sport like I need them to be but man it's it's challenging I mean I don't so it's hard what what's your personally and professionally like how do you how do you try to make that that's a bridge that seems very hard to build I mean I've done it successfully sometimes I've also failed as a coach where I'm like I you know I'm like man I don't know I can't I need you to dive in and, and if mm-hmm. not, I'm not sure, how to, you know, so it's a very like tenuous, so I don't know. I'm just
1: curious. Cause it's, it can be make, yeah, or break. It's, uh, it's, tough. it's tough for sure. I personally, I think how I, again, I'm going to challenge myself and then kind of transition into what I would speak to my athletes and or patients with it's again, having gone through some injuries and spent the time and then, you know, working backwards is like, why did this happen? What, what is occurring? Why am I dealing with this X, Y, Z? And I start to kind of look at like, well, had I had addressed this or had we worked on this or kind of, you know, supplemented with this and that I kind of have this, you know, like look back and go, all right, I I know if I'm going to ramp this up, or we're going to do that, I'm going to need to supplement this in here because when I did this last time, this, this happened, but, and it sucked. And I don't want to have to take time off again. So it's one of those, uh, kind of the 401k you know investments or like you're looking at your paycheck and you're like yeah i got all this you know money coming or whatever but then you see just a little bit of it go away and you're like ooh, like i don't that's not good but it's really good when you got it down down the road right this it, it's an investment in in being healthy and and be performing really well and a lot of times that's how i frame it with athletes is like it's no fun being injured and i or athletes, like you know what's really fun sending your project you know like it's all those little things or or winning that race. It's all those little things that kind of accumulate and, and creep up to do the, to make that whole synergistic effect of the training, the auxiliary stuff. And a lot of times I, sometimes I joke and having lived in Flagstaff and lived with a bunch of really high level runners and seen it firsthand, I, I always ask, I always, again, joke with patients like, you know what? The people who are doing this for a living do really well. Um, They do all the little things. They're really, really good nappers. They're really, really good at stretching. They're really, really good at the foam rolling. They're really, really good at strengthening. And that's the reason they can perform at a lot of these really, really high levels is because they've stacked up all these little pieces into their foundation that allow them to perform and develop and, again, stress, strain, load their body to that capacity Um, and again, I, I, sometimes they, they, a lot of them didn't do that originally. And that's where you and I are sitting at right now, but they've learned over time that those are the key tools to being healthy and, and strong long-term it's the brushing our teeth. It's the eating the fruits and vegetables. It's the going to bed at night. It's the one less kind of beer. It's all those little pieces that stack up to, you know, get us at a really, really good spot. And it's a tough sell. And I personally, there's things I should be doing right now that I don't. I mean, it's in, at some point there's this cost benefit analysis. Where we're like, Hey, we're feeling really good. Maybe I can get a little bit of it in here. Um, and it's, it's a hard sell, but most people know they need it. And then it's, it's just kind of getting that person or that athlete to realize that this is worth the investment despite not seeing this immediate big effective change.
0: Yeah. How do we, how do we do it? How, how do we make that sell before, before someone is it. injured? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Cause that's the, I mean, that you know, I, the more, I think any, any coach, any athlete, yourself, me, anybody who has lived in this space and this mindset for a long time, as you mature in this space, it's, it's, you know, for the athletes that I work with, I'm like, I'd rather you sleep than get in a good workout. Like, you know, or, or like if if we have, if we have the option, if, if, if I have to choose go to bed and go to bed, like mindfully, right. Like quality rest and versus like, cause what moves the needle is it, 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 you're going to, the dividends from proper recovery and self-care mental uh, your headspace mentally emotionally versus one you know good decent workout the the dividends are much higher on the all the other stuff Mm -hmm. that's what so but we you know so often myself included i didn't come to this until i got injured right i mean this was many years you know now i've you know, it was like my first injury yeah. when I was very young, but, um, yeah. I don't, like, so what's the, how do we make it? I don't know. What's I, the sell? I want to make it sexy. I think like I want to be able to <laughs> tell people like do it now and I promise it pays off, but that's the first thing to go. Right. Is like we sacrifice yeah. the collective. Well, we,
1: we live in a reactive world across the board, almost everybody. I don't know if there's a good way to do it. People are trying to do it. Um, It's also difficult. I see this more often, I think, than maybe, maybe you. But in the clinic, we see people that are coming into new avenues of activity or exercise or new sports. And it's hard to not be enthusiastic about it, right? Like somebody doesn't want to get into running just by running a mile or two here and there for a long time and build it up. They want to jump in and they want to go, go, go. Um, and it's, it's not until again, yeah, they tip that little breaking point. I, I think people are trying to do it. They're trying to do it with books. We're trying to do it with the podcast, we're trying to do seminars. We're, we're trying to do all, we're, we are, everybody's trying to put these pieces into play. And I don't know if there is an appropriate thing to, to, or a way to make it sexy. I mean, we, we, hopefully you and I figure it out cause then we're going to be, we'll be well off you know we <laughs> screw, screw Olivia, Sam, we're going to big sky and yellowstone club and we're going there <laughs> yeah if we figure right. that out but um i going back to the injury thing and i think this is kind of i'm going to kind of cycle back into into it but i don't think that we can ever tell somebody we can make them injury free like i you know or i can guarantee you're going to be better in x amount of time and i in the professional realm that I work in, I struggle with other professionals that make those guarantees or use that verbi- verbiage or language or, you know, like, um, prehab or, uh, you know, injury prevention. Like, I, I, I personally and professionally truly believe that we cannot prevent an injury. Um, I think we can do our best to make our bodies and act our, ourselves really resilient to the activities and the stress and the demands underneath it. But we can't guarantee anybody they're going to be injury free. We can't guarantee anybody that this is the key program and that's going to prevent them from getting developing X, Y, or Z. Um, And so I think when I come back to it, I think the most appropriate way to keep people healthy is to really promote, like you said, a healthy lifestyle across the board regardless of their athletic or sport endeavors. Um, but just some consistency is probably the consistent consistency in an activity and slow gradual progression over time, like long bouts of time, like 10, 15, 30 years is probably our best ticket to health security or, you know, Um, injury resilience is kind of what I use. Like how, how good are we at staving off some of these things that may perpetuate injury and how do like, when I look at, as I look at people I see in the clinic and as just general people, (laughs) as a population, there's three big things that I think we lose with time. And it's, you know, we lose mobility. That's a natural part of aging. You know, our joints, tissues, everything. We just lose some of that ability. We lose muscle mass strength power like the capacity of our muscles you know after about the age of 30 all those little things start to decline so as i see people aging as athletes and as a population i think those two things are things that ultimately kind of tip the scales to maybe the those are what i would like to call like load modifiers like they mitigate sometimes how load is tolerated and how loads transferred and for each person their mobility or their strength is going to be contextual situational depending on their history and past is what they may need to work on but i think having good general mobility and good general progressive strength you know working on those muscle capacity things long term Is going to help us in sport and also help us in in life because those are the big things. And the combination of those two going to the third thing that I think I see we lose people losing is just general athleticism. Like, you know, once you're out of high school sports, we very rarely sprint or we very rarely, you know, do high level cutting, jumping, somersaults, rolling around like these kind of dynamic things. And those are the things that as we get older as athletes, the, the ability to accommodate to these random nature of stresses and activities well, again, set us up to be better prepared to, you know, have them be encountered and they won't be such a big issue or, you know, that thing that sets us over the edge if we're more ready to and prepared to undergo them. Yeah. Well, sorry, that was a little you long. You just but mentioned, my, <laughs> I was trying to fight. No, that's,
0: no I, I could, I could, I could listen to it all day. Cause you just, you just picked up on one of my, my favorite things, which is this idea of, um, not idea, the, uh, the pursuit of, of athleticism versus um, like a particular discipline, right? And I, I say this to athletes all the time, like I want to work, our goal is to make you more athletic and then we're going to specifically funnel that into your primary discipline. But if we step back, I want you to be competent and confident in the in how you feel in your body Mm -hmm. first and then i want you to be a good runner or a good cyclist or a Mm -hmm. good you know whatever but that that um that's a tough that's also a tough sell right we want to spend more time the 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 thought process so often especially for everybody who you know has limited time um the thought is that, okay, if I spend the maximal amount of time doing my primary discipline, that's going to yield maximal results. Maybe or Depends maybe not. Depends how much time you have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. but I, 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 Mike, what I want to ask you is how, um, like, what's that balance look like for, you know, most athletes that's a broad question because it it does depend but yeah you know in in an effort to build athleticism where where can athletes or where should athletes focus in conjunction with their primary discipline so we're going to assume that most people are going to spend you know 90 percent of their time on their primary discipline because they have Mm -hmm. eight hours a week six hours a week whatever but in that little extra space if we're trying to promote this idea of athleticism and longevity, mobility, power, strength, these, all these great things you just talked about, like, where do we, where's an athlete spend their time? I mean, I guess this is like a little bit of a, I don't want it to come off sound yeah. like a biggest bang for your buck question, but I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at. is like, okay, if we can't, if we, no, if we only I think do, you have, I think,
1: I think, the, and this is a, another one of those, like you, we talked about like doing all these auxiliary things. For me, I've found this these things stick best with athletes when I really explain to them why they're important. Like, hey, your overall strength is important because if we're stronger and able to perform this one task, it's gonna cost your body that much less, meaning you're gonna be able to do two, three, four moves more on the walk, on, on a say a rock wall. Or if, you know, we can build your capacity and your legs to tolerate this pounding, loading. And this stress, like as a whole, we build you a better, bigger gas tank. You're gonna—it's gonna cost you less to run five miles, seven miles, eight miles, and that's gonna allow us more energy and, and tolerance for these bigger, bigger kind of activities. And and you know, it's kind of working around these metaphors and perceptions, and you know, con- reconceptualizing things to get people to go, oh, that that will help me run more that will help my training that athleticism component and uh you know it's different for each person but i'm gonna the, if let's just say we have a relatively athletic person already um some small amount of training background so they're not on either end of the spectrum i'd venture to guess 80 percent of their training should look like what they want to perform in and 20 percent and again, I think this changes within the training plan and we could go down that whole, a whole spectrum of like how to set up a, you know, like how we're going to, you know, periodize or block out something, but, um, it should 80% probably should look like almost, they should be doing their sport 20% of the time could probably be other things, the weight room, the mobility, the, all the little, the specific drills, um, and that's not at like one big chunk of time, you know, like over the five day or six day training block, that's only four to five percent, four to five minutes if it's, you know, out of that and it's not that much and then get a good decent chunk of it. But I think as, 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 as a general population looks like, it, the majority of people would probably benefit from doing mostly their sport but could see gains and resilience in their activity tolerance for that by supplementing some other components in for sure and i think the ticket is to getting them to realize why those components are important
0: yeah yeah i mean that's the yeah that's that's the real you know but uh we've seen it i mean i think you know there there we can maybe take there's hope in or we could take solace and um we have seen it uh, and uh, you know tell me if you agree like we've seen it in strength training right with endurance like we didn't we that used to be yeah. a much more uphill battle than yeah yeah now everybody's like i mean i would you know i don't think there's many people are going to like fight the 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 legitimacy or the impact that that strength training has on an endurance athlete like i think we're just kind of we're all saying yeah "Yeah, that's fair enough we see that now
1: um so you know the key ticket is to get the relatively lay person, you know, you and I are probably up too early reading literature and to make uh, <laughs> too late at night. A lot of the times thinking about why this is important or how to implicate, how to implement it. But again, it's, it's the, it's how do we take a relatively not a complex or a foreign thought and make it seem like something that is like, Oh yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's easy. That should be that. I understand now why that has to happen and and that's it's hard it's again it's one of those we are kind of we're not actually making them do strength training we're making them think why strength training is good so it's kind of playing that between the ear game again with them which is always tricky um and i've again just found a lot of times if i can lay it out like again like we just talked about strength um if we can improve your capacity to say (laughs) we can make you stronger aka your tissues more resilient to maximal loading then you can do more sub maximal loading and for you as a runner that looks like running more okay and as we want to increase your training or you want to become a better higher tolerant runner those two go hand in hand you know it's 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 they they kind of directly relate to one and each other and um, so if, if we want to run faster we've got to have higher peer strength and we've got to be able to recruit it quicker you know if, if we just do a bunch of the same thing over and over and over again at the same speed and the same pace. We're never gonna, be, we've got one gear, okay? If we, we need to work those different gears or AKA build a bigger engine or develop some more horsepower, if part of our goal is to go a little faster from 0 to 60, there's pieces of play here. There's a difference between a Prius and a Camaro. Having optimal sides of both of them is good, but if, you know, we need to work both sides of it if you wanna be a rock solid, you know, road ready, Person or something like that, and, it's, yeah. and when they can kind of see that, and they're like, "Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, if I do want to run fast, or yeah, I guess if I can tolerate more overall loading in this context, then that's going to help because that's also loading. And then, so if I can get more there, that's going to do more. And sometimes you can get those wheels turning, um, but it's a tough sell. <laughs> yeah, we sell the hardest yeah. thing to people. <laughs> Some yeah. Exercise, something nobody yeah. wants.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know, longevity in that. So you know, if they do want it, they want it in like very small doses. They don't want it for the rest of their life. You know, they're like, "Oh like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to work hard till I die." No, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> you know, that's that's
1: like I've uh, been having that conversation with with uh, some some older athletes recently, and I've kind of come to the realization that, and I, this is what I was we were talking alluded to earlier. As we age, we lose some mobility, we lose some tissue stuff yada 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 and but the more we age or mature the more work it becomes to participate play stay healthy it's a bigger investment for sure it's it's physically and mentally harder to to continue to play at the levels we want and it takes more of a time and a and an investment to do that and that's again i, I see it every day and as i am like, <laughs> like dang this is tough like but i i but and some, a lot of people don't realize it and it's hard to, yeah. to grasp that when it finally sinks in.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's hard to, I see it with, with, you know, uh, o- older athletes. I mean, not like, you know, any particular age, but, um, yeah. you know, older or aging athletes. And then, you know, just tied into that <clears throat> athletic identity p- piece that we were talking about. If, if they're not firm on that, like, they're trying to develop that at a later age that becomes very challenging, right because your expectations don't align with your goal and you're trying to navigate all these things in a body that is different and evolving and changing and it does take more work and so you there yeah i mean there's a lot going so i mean that's why you know one of the reasons why i talk a lot about this identity piece is i'm like man if you're firm on that that's gonna if you can get it now or wherever you're at, like we're all only getting older. So it's only going to get harder, right? You're going to more work, more Mm -hmm. focus, more dedication, challenging, whatever you want to, you know, and if you want to continue to tick off big, you know, outcome based goals, you're going to just, you know, the, the load and the requirement there is just, I mean, it's not exponential, but it certainly, you know, starts to, to escalate pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um, as you get, you know, well, you know,
1: whatever you said over thirty, yeah. and certainly it starts to uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. isn't a masters athlete considered 35 now. I, I somebody was. Yeah. Wait, what? 35 masters athlete. That makes me feel um, better about how, how like creaky
0: I feel some mornings when I wake up. I'm like, yeah, I'm a masters athlete. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you reconceptualize your symptoms It's, a, yeah. it's a, yeah, the, yeah. the expectation you needed yeah <laughs> right.
0: I was like, oh, my expectation is that I, if I run you know 5k today, that's a win. That's I'm getting I'm getting old, so.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a it's a tricky battle um but again I really think a lot of it is between the ears it's it's yeah. understanding it's helping people again kind of helping people understand their best selves for their current and/or potential based on where they're at not the man when I was 22 I ran a x5k now I'm 38 and I have three kids and I haven't ran in 24 you know, 15 years. I still think and that's like, do we really think like you said, expectations, can we get this training block in? can we get this time and can we get this sleep in? How's your diet? Like things are different. So mm. we can't expect the same level of usually can't expect yeah. those same levels really? that, that 22 year old that ran an 18 minute 5k might be the equivalent to the 40 year old, your 40 year old self running a 23 minute 5k because of some things. Yeah, That's okay. That's normal. You know, no, most people, that, that's, that's a positive trajectory. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I see that. I, yeah. I think that, I mean, I see that happen a lot as we chase the former version of what, you know, those, those old expectations or those old ideas around what our goals are supposed to look like. And so we let it detract from the success that we have in our current iteration. Right. Which is really unfortunate mm-hmm. because it, it it takes away from the the joy and value of being an athlete, right? Because you have changed and evolved as an athlete doesn't mean that it's less valuable to pursue those goals, even though like they're not as fast or they're not a, you know, like I, I, people really go round and round and get you know, and then they give up. I see it happen, you know, unfortunately, hopefully not with athletes we work with, but ex you know, seeing athletes in the world and talking to people every day, mm-hmm. um, people are like, well, It's not, if I can't win, it's not where, you know, they're projecting based on all of these kind of external, you know, expectations or whatever. And, and they don't, they, they, they lose sight of the value of just the pursuit of their, their fullest potential. Like you said, the best version of themselves, which for me, like that's, that's, that's the value in being athletic, right? Like it, Mm as I, as I get older externally, you know, I could go either way. I mean, it's great to, to be competitive, but if, if I fall flat one day, like the execution towards that potential was still valuable. It doesn't detract from my experience, no matter where I fall And you know, and I try to like get athletes in that headspace too, is like, it's almost like a bonus, right? Like you show up and it goes well and everything's dialed and you finish on the podium. That's killer. Things go south. That's uh, a process was still worth it. Right. And that's still a win. There you go. You yeah. and, and
1: so that's a hard sell. Too. Expectations and outcomes. Yeah. Like if you can get somebody to have an expectation goal and then let the outcome come with it, I think that's sets, like you said, sets them up for maybe like a, you know, two checks off here, like two wins in that day. Um, but yeah, like to have an expectation of and just reconceptualizing that expectation, like, you know, like you're going to show up at the rut. Well, what is your last three or four months looked like? Okay, that, you know, is that a good training block? Do we have a little hiccup? You know, like figuring out, helping that person figure out what is a realistic expectation and or goal for that day based on, you know, what where they're at is is key. It's not like I did the rut five years ago when I was training awesome and I didn't have all these other responsibilities and I was five years younger and to show up not the same person but have this – desire to run a faster time could be a possibility, but we got to look at like, where are you at? You know, like are we the same? Are, we can't compare apples to apples and that's, that's okay. But it's, it's really helping people understand that. And I think you and I see it all the time. So we kind of under we understand that in ourselves, but that's not the, as much as we think it's kind of not common sense, but like relative, like under easy knowledge, it's not. And that's, it's hard. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: you're right no hard. i spend people you know me and you and people you know <laughs> like us i mean like you said we spend our free time you know reading you know and thinking about how to like conceptualize and and you know set people up for performance and most people are just trying to get in a workout you know and it's hard to it's hard to like manage all these pieces you know and it's hard to think about mm-hmm. having all these different parts of your team and having to do the work you know you got to I got to go in and I got to see AJ cause I'm not moving right. And then I got to talk to my coach and then, you know, I need to work with a dietitian to get my nutrition. Cause I know that, you know, and then I got to sleep and then you're like, good,
1: you know, geez, all I'm trying to do is it's ride, a, it's, a ride. It's more than the full time job, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're paying, we're paying all these people to play and it's like, man, like I just, it's, what I want to do isn't that hard, but um, yeah. there's a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of different investments to be made in, Some people get really lucky and they don't have to make those investments, but the majority of us are are usually putting X time in seeing X person, you know, like really having to think it out, put the and go through the process. And the hope hope is that we enjoy the the person or we enjoy the process enough to where that the outcome is 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 worth that tax or that that investment in it for sure, right?
0: Yeah. I've talked about it like a, like a gas tank before, right? Like, so the execution, the doing our primary discipline, we burn gas, right? You got to run, you ride your bike, you do and climb mountains, do it. You're that uses gas. Well, you got to refill, right? You, you can't, your tank is Mm -hmm. finite just like in, in any other situation. And the refill is all the other things, right? And it's, and it's not, it's not training for your primary discipline, right? I mean, that's like a, that's a part of it but that actually uses gas as well right so it's like if you want to re- so then i i i've talked about that around expectations like is it is it reasonable to expect your car to run without gas no is it so if we yeah. think about things in terms of like the the team the the energy the input that it takes to execute on in this space that's the gas and you got to you got to you know you got to keep refilling it if you if you want to keep burning it right if you want to keep mm-hmm. setting aggressive goals reaching your full potential feeling good in and out of your primary discipline like you got to refill you know and that's when i've used that analogy before with athletes they're like oh yeah now it seems like kind of ridiculous that i thought that i could get away with you know not working on mobility like not you know giving back to my body yeah. not refilling the tank if all you're doing is extracting there's a point and then you said yeah. a lot of people get mm-hmm. really lucky they, they might they'll extract forever or for a very long time um some people not so much certainly if you're coming into sport later in life um or or like ramping up later in life specific to like endurance so mm-hmm. yeah um all right real quick before i let you go wow.
1: Or go ahead. Yeah, Um, when I and so I just thinking about like all those intrinsic or intrinsic things that we were talking about—the sleep, the diet, the behavior—and like with your athletes, how are you measuring, monitoring, knowing when they are at have a full tank so that they can perform well? Or how are we? How are you kind of monitoring that with them? Is there anything? Uh, measure track or you know thing that you're 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 using with them so that you know they're ready for x workout or hey we need another day recovery or how are you because i you use the whoop band i think right i think i've seen using that
0: yeah i um so i mean yes specific to a device um and there's obviously other ways to get at this information but Mm -hmm. knowing that we're You know, it is a tax you have to pay. If I'm asking an athlete, hey, I need you to keep track of I need every morning, I need recovery metrics, right? So I want to look at HRV, I want to look at sleep, quantity and quality up, resting heart rate, respiratory rate, some of these kind of high level like and I'm gonna track these over time in relation to training load. And I need it to be consistent. So I, you know, every day. So with that in mind, um, the whoop strap. Uh, yeah, we partnered with them a while back um, and in an effort to help make that delivery of that information and that common language that we use between our athletes around recovery and around these kind of intrinsic um, metrics that are not like, you know, it's not power, it's not pace, it's not, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. you know, internal or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, it makes that gap a little easier to bridge. And yeah, and so that's, it's been great. I mean, again, more and more, that's what I'm going to care the most about as a coach, if I'm managing an athlete's well being, and their trajectory and their fitness and all their goals, and I've, I've been tasked with the responsibility of making sure that all these pieces stay in place and are, are managed appropriately appropriately at any given time. I care most about probably two things, their recovery. And so I'm going to use that as a catch all, but again, sleep and some of these, uh, heart rate driven recovery metrics. And I care most about their like mental emotional space. How are you feeling? Right. Not, yeah. not, I mean, you know, how are you feeling? Like, are your legs really sore? Okay. That's fair. But like how are you feeling, you know, in between your ears, right? And yeah and, you're <laughs> and yeah. and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna say, then that means we're gonna do this today, right? Or that means the plan is gonna change because we have to factor in this, like, like we started talking about at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. you have to stress is stress. So with that in mind, I'm gonna do my best to help an athlete take all that input and navigate you know or or, and use it in a way that's insightful um so yeah so whoop has been great um you know all of this stuff of course you know tracked over time right you can't make like there's there's blips and just like with workouts right i mean you have a shitty day you know who knows right maybe it's nothing maybe it's uh i mean you know specifically um impactful In our current environment with the pandemic, uh, we have had um, uh, several athletes get uh, COVID-19. So we've actually been able to pick up on that before they got diagnosed Mm -hmm. uh, when we're tracking those recovery metrics closely. And we were able to dial back our training load earlier. So they actually came into the diagnosis better recovered and better able to manage the stress of that so i mean specific things like that when you when you're paying attention it is we've seen it play out where you're like oh this really matters right like if you take training training out of the equation and if you're just looking at this like you can still make really um impactful decisions about how that athlete navigates their life um yeah and then you're gonna layer in the training aspect
1: you know whenever it makes i've sense. always i've told some people that are always like wanting to push it's like a an extra day of recovery never got anybody injured <laughs> right you know what yeah. i mean like, yeah 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 you know no, like I, the, but an extra day of training hard does sometimes yeah and so it's it's right. yeah the only the only training you're benefiting from is the training you're recovering from and and i you know yeah. it, it's so, it's tricky so
0: yeah. I love that. Yeah. The only, what was that quote? That's fantastic. The only
1: training you're benefiting, the only training from. You're benefiting from is the training you're recovering from. That's cool. It may have been, I, I didn't come up with that. I, and I, I do think it was said better in some other worded some way, but that was the, that yeah. was the take home point was like, Oh yeah. So like, and I, I don't remember where I read it or heard it, but it was like, you're right. Like if I'm, not recovering i'm not actually seeing any change because yeah <laughs> you know like what yeah stress on well, the, the
0: misnomer is is classically between all you know we've all been in this situation or you've been in this headspace and some athletes still live here is is that you know is it fitness is created during a workout and we know physiologically that's not the case but mm-hmm. we were trapped in this mindset that the more you can wring out of the sponge during a workout that's like there's like a real time response. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not science. We know that's not the case, but we still, even, you know, even some days like I'll, I'll be out you know like doing a hard tempo, whatever I'm doing, you know, something challenging. And I'm like, say I was going to go out and do, you know, whatever, you know, long tempo run or something. And I'm like, Oh, if I did like five more minutes of tempo, like, I wonder if that would, you know, I'm like, and I'm like, shut up Taylor. Like, you know, like shut it down. (laughs) (laughs) go home like have a glass of water you know hit the foam roller and you know but uh, yeah Yeah. you you get trapped in this space um because you we've you know it's uh, again language right we've been Mm -hmm. kind of led with language to think that there's this like one-to-one or like dollar-to-dollar like okay input equals direct output um
1: or vice versa um and yeah no you're right that's because, so I have to swallow my own medicine every once in a while too. And it's, it's tough.
0: Like, Gosh. Yeah. yeah. No, I always make it really clear. I try to on the podcast. Is it like, I'm, you know, this is as much my, uh, me working through my own shit as it is, uh, anybody yes. else. <laughs> <laughs> or, or trying to, to provide athletes the yeah. to, to, to do, you know, to, 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 uh, less as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I want to touch on real fast, um, uh, because I think you're uniquely positioned to, to, to give some insight on this, this idea of, um, or, or concept or, or, uh, of pain versus injury. This is something I see come up a lot with athletes, you know, it's like, when do I call it? When do I go see a physical therapist? When do I get therapy? When do I so like, yeah. how do we, yeah. What's, you
1: know, what's that look like on your end? Wow. Pain is complex, man. And I think the more we learn about it, the less we know, um, especially with athletes. And I think we kind of started We kept alluding to it earlier today and throughout today is that pain is multifactorial. It's as much of an experience as it is a physical thing. Um, and for a lot of us as athletes, pain can be, you know, it's a, it's a very, it's a, again, it's a stressful thing, whether it's the physical stress of the, from the, the pain from the exercise, it's the physical stress of us worrying about what the pain means in the context of being able to train. It's the physical stress of what the pain means in terms of us performing and or participating in the goal that we have. Um, pain doesn't equal damage all the time. Most of the time we have very, very good evidence to show that there's again, not a direct correlation between the severity of pain and the level of tissue damage. So people in very high level with very high levels of pain can have zero to no tissue structural damage. And people with very minimal amounts of pain can have very high levels of tissue damage. Like have you ever had like a finger or a, a paper cut on your finger hurts a lot all the or like if you bite your tongue accidentally and out of nowhere that freaking hurts right like but it doesn't really like that kind of small paper clip or paper cut on your finger isn't a whole heck of a lot of tissue damage right despite it sometimes being very aggravating now if we think of again let's go to a paper cut because we're there a uh classical violinist who's job depends on playing the violin up here with her finger or the, his finger. That's a big injury. That's a, that's like, Oh crap. I, I, that takes me out of practice. I've got a concert next week. I need, I can't do it. Like that pain now becomes a very um, sensitive thing because it's ramped up due to all these contextual factors. Whereas dude, you're a road biker who uses that finger to shift and that's no big deal. It's a paper cut, like doesn't affect you at all. So like the the context of that pain is different. So it's, it's a struggle sometimes to get people to kind of dampen that system. And and our body is, is very, very good at reading a lot of different things and a lot of different processes at one time and creating this one experience for ourselves within, again, this picture that's created from everything that's going on. And so helping people understand and conceptualize that something big, bad, and severe might not be going on, a whole lot of tissue might not be damaged or implicated, that we can actually participate in and be active even though we're painful and not make things worse is also very important. And a lot of times with the activities we're doing in PT and or rehab or trainings is uh, we want some degree of pain. That's, that's us you know, turning the heat on in the oven or boiling the water it's just we don't want the water to boil over and we don't want to burn the whatever's in the oven. So we need a little bit of it to create some kind of adaption stimulus. But it there's a lot involved. Again, and we find that in like uh, you know, people who are chronic or sleep deprived or chronically stressed or eat high levels of sugar, their pain response or pain catastrophizing and the way that pain influences their situation is actually higher. So again, falling back into that like we can get our good sleep, we can recover well, we can mitigate all these other stressors. A lot of times pain isn't quite the response it isn't because our that whole contextual situation isn't ramped up to be something big. It's a little bit of it's like a firecracker versus a nuclear bomb per se. So yeah, yeah. It's, that's a it's tough. Pain's pain's tricky. I love learning about pain, I hate treating pain. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz there's it's yeah, there's yeah. a lot involved and it's hard to it's hard to Right. It's hard to create that picture of, of what yeah. it might actually be going on. And, and I struggle with it myself. Like sometimes I walk into work and I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, God dang it. Like, what did I do yesterday? Why is this bothering me? And then I kind of have to settle down and be like, I didn't have anything big or bad happen. I didn't have X, Y, or Z happen. Like It's not that bad. You know, like it's, it's trying to, I'm trying to turn the, the dial down on my, you know, my alarm system and my own self. And that's hard to do when you don't when that whole framework or that physiological context isn't <laughs> something you've spent a lot of time studying and, and going through. So yeah. Um, pain's tricky. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, you, I, I love that you brought up, um, that, you know, we need a little, some dose of that to, you know, effectively, you know, move the needle, right? Like as athlete, mm-hmm. you can't, so where that's at and, and, you know, and I think some, every athlete, it's kind of different right it's based on your experiences it's based on so like you know we we do yeah. a lot with uh as i'm sure you do and you know are very familiar like just like rpe right like okay like how's it feel you know and you could have athletes like the same fit like side by side we're apples to apples if you could if you could arrange that yeah and every time you know same workout same conditions it's like a nine and a six right yeah. on a scale of one to ten and you're like well, you know, so that? In, in on any given day that changes, you know, so we see that with athletes too, if we revisit a session, right. Mm-hmm. So four weeks ago it was a six. Now it's a 10. Like what yeah, happened?
1: I think, uh, yeah, I think one of the things that for athletes is tricky to decipher is the difference between an owie and an injury. Um, mm. and I think, uh, I might've learned this the hard way. My dad was a football coach, wrestling coach, and it was one of those like, ah, you know, like, your ankle's a long way from your heart kind of, kind of shit. Like, <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. Um, but it's, it's uh, and I think that's kind of, you know, like when is it the appropriate time to seek somebody's, you know, professional guidance on how and when, what when, when to do that. And my short answer is there's probably no wrong time. Usually if you're, the sooner you're in, the sooner you're out. So, you know, the cost of that visit when something creeps up over a day or two might really help us be like, look at it and understand what's going on. You know, again, severity of it, the irritability of it. When's it bothered? Is this something that we should worry about? Is this likely going to go away? Sometimes that one visit calms, helps us calm your system down between the ears and everywhere else. And it's going to help us. Maybe we make one slight modification for a week or two in training and throw in one or two things that just kind of, you know, we hit the rumble strips on the highway per se, and we can gift it, get it back onto the right, you know, into the end the lane. Versus, if if something's not improving with the consistency of an activity, that's one thing. If things are getting worse with the consistency of an activity, that's us. We're in the ditch now, and we're not getting out to some degree. That's going to take some. You know, we need a little help out of that out of that situation. And um, it's a delicate balance for each person. But having a good sound uh, medical professional on your team that again they know you you know them you can trust them one visit a lot of times in the early stage of something prevents 10 visits down the road and so that's almost where it's like you know getting in having somebody you can email contact have that phone conversation with whether it's a PT Cairo coach that understands a lot of that stuff is is kind of important but in the absence of if you're taking a little bit of rest or modifying a little bit of volume intensity and your symptoms are a getting worse or not changing, you know, within the stretch of seven to 10, 14 days that week or two, it's probably worth getting in to see somebody sooner rather than later. But it doesn't hurt to give it a little bit of time, you know, just to cool off for a sec and just kind of see. I think that's okay for sure.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's, 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 that's awesome. Like actionable advice. You know, I think, that's, I mean, a lot of times, you know, myself, ask, anybody who's, you know, helping kind of guide these goals, you're looking for, Hey, like what, what are our bumpers? Like you said, like what's our rumble strip, you know, and can we, okay, we, we touched it. We should take some time off. So that's, that's awesome. I, I love that. Um, dude. All right, man.
1: I'm yeah. Uh, this, this is awesome. That's any,
0: any parting words?
1: You know, no, I just want to thank you. Um, if anybody, is uh, in our area and looking for something. I work at Excel physical therapy. Uh, I also coach for climb strong, um, uh, climbing coaching stuff so they can find me that way too. Or, uh, I don't even know what my Instagram handle. is. Sometimes I post some fun stuff there, but I'm thinking <laughs> on what it is yeah. right now. Well, uh, we'll make sure to <laughs> we'll this make sure you chime in, and you go. I'll put that in the show notes right. Yeah, no, that's, that's we'll we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put
0: uh a we'll a link to how to get a hold of you. Uh your uh climbing coaching Instagram handle. You guys are doing uh really killer yeah. stuff at Excel. Um you're doing amazing stuff. Uh, all over the place but in the climbing space so we'll make sure everybody can can look at what you're doing and get a hold of you and um yeah man this has been
1: a blast yeah i appreciate you it keep, I'm, keep doing you. what you're doing too this is always fun to, it gives me something to like i, I don't feel so you know I, I nerd out on this stuff so i appreciate you uh entertaining my yeah you know it's
0: um yeah i always you know I, I always tell them like well you know somebody's out there that's uh <laughs> That's, that's excited about what we're talking about. So, thanks, uh, yeah. thanks. 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 Yeah. Thanks for being a, a, a partner in crime and a, a co-pilot.